0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Great America Show, and it is great to have you with us. Hope you didn't miss the festivities at the White House when Ukraine's Zelensky went there to meet with America's Biden. Both comedians of a sort, and both have very expensive tastes. Biden, of course, spending trillions of dollars like it wasn't his money. But wait, it isn't his money. It's our money. It's taxpayer money. And that would be amusing if you and I weren't the ones paying taxes. And Biden's given Zelensky $110 billion to fight Putin. $110 billion. And Zelensky doesn't just ask Biden for money. He demands that money and lots of it. You'd think Zelensky had some dark, dark dirt on Biden to talk that way. And Biden, well, he pays up. So there you are again with our money. Donald Trump Jr. calls Zelensky a, quote, ungrateful international welfare queen. Humor, they say, is built on truth. And wow, the Marxist left went berserk. On Don Jr., they even researched the expression welfare queen and tied it to the great Ronald Reagan, which in Leftland land is sure to agitate the Marxist darlings into an elevated level of derangement. And deranged they were. And get ready for a whopper of a storm, folks. The White House telling 26 governors the impending super blizzard called a bomb cyclone that's about to cross much of the country could become life-threatening. The president saying, "Pick up," the president saying helpfully that it's quote, not like a snow day. No, Mr. President, it certainly doesn't sound like it. To be frank, when Biden understates things, it makes me a little nervous. So be careful if you have to travel. It sounds like it could be a mess on the roads and in the air through Christmas. We're now about a week and a half from the Republicans taking over the House of Representatives. Still uncertain who will be Speaker of the House, but I'm absolutely certain if the outcome is the status quo, unreformed, and the same old blather from the same old GOP will be in for lean times indeed. There's just too much corruption, too much cronyism, too little original thought and energy in the grand old party leadership to successfully defend the republic, truth, justice, and our American way of life. No hyperbole. Just the reality of an existential moment in our history in the here and now. And joining us today, a great patriot and also an important, very important voice for the right to life movement in America and indeed around the world. Our guest today is Father Frank Pavone. He's just been defrocked by the Vatican for what they called, quote, persistent disobedience, as he is in point of fact supporting church doctrine and following the sanctity of life preachings of the gospel father i just want to say thanks so much for being with us uh and i have to say at the outset merry christmas
1: merry christmas lou it's a pleasure to be with you
0: and it's uh, this season is in in rich some might say even dark contrast uh to uh, to all the events that are taking place in Washington, D.C., or indeed in, uh, in Rome. Uh, we are a, we're a troubled world, and we're a troubled nation. And uh, I, I'd like to move, if we may, to your troubles, and that is the, the, effectively the sanctioning uh, by the Pope. E- explain to us what all of that means.
1: It means there's a cancel cul- culture in the church it means that just like we see in our government attacks launched against President Trump, for example, by the weaponizing of procedures and, and institutions that otherwise have a legitimate purpose but are being used against political enemies, this is happening also within the Catholic Church. We see that the battle uh, between pro-life and pro-abortion is also within the Church, a- and this is what, what is the bigger picture. Sometimes when people are seeing this story. Oh, the Pope has, you know, said I'm dismissed from the for the priesthood. Okay, but that's not just the story about me. This is the symptom of a problem that a lot of Catholics and and other Christians and 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 other citizens find it really hard to get their minds around because they presume the church must be united. And, and you know, my group, priests for life. The most common question Lou that I get is, well, isn't every priest for life? And my response is, well, we just help them to say so. Uh, so even within the church, there is this tension, and that's what my particular case now is bringing to light more and more.
0: Indeed, it is, and the the right to life uh, is is, is uh, to me a hallmark of the Catholic uh, religion, uh, mm-hmm. a, a hallmark of of the teachings of the church uh, for centuries, and yes. and almost in stealth the church uh, in the leadership of the church has moved away from that uh, those teachings uh, and in, to the point where you, because you are pro-life and speak out as such, which is within the, the, the belief system of the church, uh, it, it boggles uh, a mind of I, I'm a Christian but not a Catholic. Uh, I, I can't comprehend that, that kind of dissonance. Uh, in a structure that is is as old, a traditional, uh, and uh, just one would think vibrant with discussion on issues, yes. rather than wanting to stultify or utterly suppress uh, yes. th- thinking like yours.
1: Well, let me let me try to to clarify it a little bit. First of all, what has just happened with this notification from the Vatican is the result of a 21 years. Where we've had to, I've been doing the ministry full time for 30 years, but for the last 21, I've had to actually fight within the Catholic Church for the right to keep doing it. Uh, And uh, what is causing this? Not so much a direct denial of the teaching, but it's the politics of it. Priests for Life has become the largest uh, and most influential pro life group within the Catholic community. And the bishops feel, some bishops feel threatened by that. Oh, we have, they're not controlling, you know, what we're doing, what we're saying, Uh, even though everything we're saying and doing is in line with the church, they're not in control. They're not in control of our funding, uh, which just comes from ordinary donors. They're not in control of our messaging. And so some of them are, are, and what they're really uncomfortable about is this. Okay, so we know the church's teaching on abortion is clear, but then I come along and I say, well, wait a minute. We've got now a a, a president who claims to be Catholic, we've got a Speaker of the House who claims to be Catholic, and no two people in America are doing more to make sure that more babies get killed than those two. Aren't we in the church supposed to be more vocal about this? It seems to me when the church steps up and challenges people like that, that's not the church being political, that's the church being the church. And a lot of Catholics will rise up, and not just Catholics, but Christians across the body of Christ. They will rise up when they hear me say that. And they will say, Amen. This is exactly the kind of leadership we need. And that, Lou, is getting some of the bishops very, very nervous because they're allied with Democrats. And, and this is part of the part of the problem that 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 I'm running up against.
0: And have been running up against for better than two decades, uh yeah. we, we learned.
1: Uh, you,
0: Essentially, I was going to say, essentially, you were defrocked by uh, the Vatican's uh, belief that you were in, quote-unquote, persistent disobedience. <laughs> so I, as an outsider looking into the church, I ask, well, wait a minute. The church is pro-life. Abortion yeah. is a sin, is it not? It sure is. It, it's
1: so who is, in, who is disobeying whom here? Uh, yeah. You, well, let me... Uh, I'll give you an example of this. The only time that that the bishops can identify uh, me having not just carried out exactly what they've asked me to do, because I have done so as part of the life of a priest, you know, you obey your your, your bishop, uh, is, is when they have tried without reason, without explanation, without justification. They've tried to get me to stop to, to doing this, this pro-life work. Now, here's to add to the, the cognitive dissonance here. We're working in union with the the Pope. What what I mean is, Priests for Life is actually on a a very practical level, assisting Pope Francis' mission to the United Nations when the United Nations deals with abortion. Priests for Life is like right in there with them, assisting the Holy See mission. We are assisting the Secretary of State at the Vatican. We just a few days ago, finished uh, uh, helping to organize a conference uh, at which the Secretary of State spoke, of Catholic, non-governmental organizations. It's like we run the largest ministry in the church for healing after abortion, a key priority of Pope Francis, and I've talked with Pro, Pope Francis uh, four or five times personally, and he's encouraged my work. So like, how in the world now does he issue a decree saying you can't even be a priest? It It's, it's a bundle of contradictions. So it, it doesn't so much show uh, them against me, as it shows them against themselves, there's a serious division among the cardinals, among the bishops um, about how are we going to deal with this issue of abortion? And, and, and this is what they, they, they can't seem to get their own story straight. Well, there's a
0: there's a lot of confusion here and most of the confusion I have. I will speak just in turn. Let's leave this in the secular level uh, with me speaking as a professional communicator. The Vatican is very confusing. The Pope is confusing, yes. Uh, yes. and if if you're in persistent disobedience for obeying your beliefs and that of the church, the preachings of the Church, yeah, I, I find the disobedience to be systemic within the Church itself,
1: and in particular the Vatican. Well, well, I'm gonna give an example here that's really gonna, well, it's gonna surprise some people It's gonna put this whole problem in perspective. It's my bishop who has been disobedient. And I may give you the example of what I'm saying. Back about a decade ago, he um, said to me, and I I was in the midst of, uh, as many of our viewers know, traveling around. I I I make four or five trips a week on this pro-life mission across America, been doing it for 30 years. And uh, he abruptly says publicly, you've got to come back to the Diocese of Amarillo. I want you back here for a period of prayer and reflection. Um, so I have concerns, you know. Okay, so, so I obeyed. I went there, right? And uh, I appealed, however, to the Vatican. I said, listen, there's no, I haven't done anything wrong. There's no reason to restrict my ministry, but the bishop has restricted my ministry. Well, a few months went by. Lou, ultimately, the Vatican ruled in my favor. And they said to the bishop let father frank do his pro-life work as we're discussing right now it's good work it's the work of the church it's saving lives it's healing wounds you know what the bishop said to me he said the vatican told me i could not restore you to your pro-life work oh said but bishop uh they told me that i was restored to my pro-life work he said no 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 this particular archbishop told me no so I flew to Rome to ask that Archbishop one question. Did you say I couldn't do this work? And you know what he told me? He said, "No, I did not say you couldn't do it. I told your bishop to be generous in giving you permission to do this work." And now I get accused of disobedience. It's the bishop who wasn't following the instructions of the Vatican. Uh, and, and and I mean, this is just again, I've been dealing with this. I I I consider this an abuse of authority. I respect authority. I don't respect the abuse of authority. And uh, we're just simply trying to save lives and heal minds and hearts and elect pro-life candidates. That's, uh, uh, but this is kind of a, a good example of what I've been dealing with. When the Supreme Court uh, overturned Roe v. Wade and sent
0: the issue of abortion to the states, for yes. each state to make that political decision about what their laws would be, what they would permit, what they would not, uh, that is uh, fundamental to our federalist system of government. Yes, and it marks such an advance uh, against uh, the tyranny of the of relativism in uh, in law, uh, and in our politics and our society in in the United States. Yes, at the same time, the Bible says this does not permit abortion. It just does not. And when to hear the church say it's persistent disobedience on your part, when in point of fact. It is there is something afoot within the Vatican that makes no sense at all. Uh, when when an archbishop is telling a bishop to do something, and that bishop is the one who is being disobedient, uh, there's a mess. And when the church itself can't acknowledge that it's following following the the scripture of the Holy Bible,
1: I, I, it, the church has to be in in upheaval. It's an upheaval. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many messages I've been getting these days from uh, distraught Catholics and uh, uh, evangelicals, Protestants, and, Lou, from atheists. Uh, there, some of our audience might be familiar with this new group, the uh, uh, Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, a bunch of uh, left-leaning uh, feminists, uh, Democrats, atheists, agnostics, uh, LGBTQ, but these are friends of mine. These are, these are allies of mine. These are colleagues of mine. Uh, they've been in my office in strategy meetings, they, they, and they're giving me more support than some of these bishops are. It is truly, in some ways, you know, if you t- take the tragedy out of the whole thing, it's truly amusing. And, uh, but that's, a, that's the thing about the pro-life movement, and this is one of the reasons we've come to the point where Roe v. Wade has been reversed, because this is a movement that is not called together by the Pope, it's not called together by any religious leader, it's not called together by any political leader, even the best that we've had. And we have had the best in President Trump in terms of of so many things, but including pro-life. And yet the pro-life movement does not arise from the edict of a leader. It arises from our very humanity people sitting around their kitchen table, around their living room, realizing and talking about the fact that babies are being killed and responding to the basic human instinct. We have to protect our children and then responding to the basic Christian instinct that whatever we do to the least of our brothers, we do to Christ. This is the movement. Now, this is why the movement is so diverse, because it's based on something so fundamental and common as our humanity. And this is why the movement can't be stopped. It can't. It does not started by a religious leader, and it can't be stopped by a religious leader. So when something like this happens, they take one of the most visible pro-life leaders and and say, you know, you can't be a priest. They are creating such a scandal uh, and such a disillusionment. But that's not going to stop the people from supporting the kind of work we're doing, being involved in the pro-life movement. And so this is the moment at which we are right now. And I hope that the reaction uh, that has been generated here and that I see only as growing will um, make some of these leaders think twice about about what's happened.
0: Well, you are also confronting the Council of Bishops, uh, the Catholic charities uh, that are immensely political, Uh, And I'm not talking about uh, merely uh, in discussion. We're talking about some of the most uh, uh, effective and active arms of the church uh, in those two organizations uh, aligned against, uh, against our laws and our national security and sovereignty because they support a wide open border. They support the cartels in point of fact. Mm. Uh, Because they are the ones uh, who are now in control of the border in large measure because of many of the uh, activities of the NGOs, the Catholic charities, the National Council of Bishops who are supportive of illegal immigration in direct contravention of American law and direct contravention of our Constitution and the constitutional responsibilities of our political leaders. I mean, this gets inordinately complex, yeah. uh, and most people can't even begin to comprehend the, the huge, the mammoth, massive involvement of the church in that issue of that southern border. Now, there are other forces at work and just as powerful, but it's extraordinary what the church has done here as well, isn't it? And you know, Lou, it's
1: also, besides everything you just said, in contradiction to the American Constitution and laws, it's also in contradiction to the Catholic Catechism. Because if we look in the Catechism at the section that deals with immigration, it's not simply an assertion, oh, these are our brothers and sisters, we have to welcome them. No, it's an assertion that those who seek to come into another country have to respect its values and traditions and have to obey its laws. That section on uh, immigration in the catechism likewise affirms that the duty of the welcoming country is limited. It's common sense that it's limited because they first and foremost, that nation has to take care of the people already within its borders and then have a system of welcoming people that makes sense for the citizens who are already there and for the ones that want to come and uh, uh, become citizens that that you 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 can't Give what you don't have. You have to do this in a way that makes sense, and therefore uh, that is that is that is orderly and 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 is limited. Frankly, is limited. You can't be everything to everybody. So those in the in the, within the church and those who are, are are they use religious language, Lou, to 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 cover open border uh, philosophy. You know, oh, let's just dress it up in religious language, and people will be persuaded. Oh, they're all our brothers and sisters. Let's welcome them. No, it's not that simple. Even according to uh, to the Catechism, it is, as you say, not that simple.
0: When we are watching all that is unfolding right now, we're watching the largest gatherings of illegal immigrants in northern Mexico preparing to cross our borders when the so-called Title Forty Two uh, is rescinded by President Biden, if the Supreme Court does not intervene. And I'm actually beginning to become somewhat optimistic that they just might and and some Mm -hmm. rationality might actually appear uh, Mm -hmm. in judicial proceedings in this country. But we're watching a country that is in in an excess, in my opinion, in an existential moment uh, of our history. Uh, And and one of the worst moments, of course, is always in that uh, in that description would be the here and now. And we're at the here and now. Yeah, Uh, I truly believe that we have forces at work. Uh, the Marxist Dems run the, the, the Democratic Party. Uh, the Marxist Dems are the masters of this puppet president. Uh, we are watching uh, the deep state and the Marxist Dems take control of the Department of Justice, uh, the FBI, we're witnessing it. Uh, of course, they don't want us to believe our lying eyes as we witness all of this and, mm-hmm. and read all of this. But nowhere is there, uh, has there been, in in recent history, certainly a more a more clear cut case of evil versus good. Right. And so there is in all of this that blessing, which is more Americans now understand that the forces of evil are arrayed against this great mm. nation. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the one of the reasons that um, I mean, we did much better in the midterms than it might meet the eye, and you know, as you know, you know, you analyze it a little bit, and you see that uh, the momentum is on our side. But the reason we didn't do even better, as so many had predicted, is that not enough citizens have. It hasn't gotten bad enough yet for enough of the citizens, And, and and unfortunately, it's going to get worse. And we have to hope that those who are putting these people, these these Democrats into power, will realize that once it hits home a little bit more than it is so far, that they realize the problems they're bringing upon themselves by electing these people who are causing the problems. And in that context, why and how should the church be neutral when as you accurately uh, uh, say, uh, we're dealing with good and evil. We're no longer dealing with ordinary political divisions. There was a time in in our American history where you know that the, the differences between the Republicans and Democrats were well. You know we're all pursuing the same goal. We've got the same principles. We believe in freedom. We believe in in America. I, we just have different ideas of how to get there. Okay. Well, have a debate and you know trial and error. And you try a policy. It doesn't work. You can change the policy. Uh, but uh, now it's it's not that. It's not just a a, a debate about different policies this is a conflict over fundamental principles such a difference between those two things policies yes well how do we reduce crime well i have this idea you have that idea but now it's, it's like at the level of principle it's like well should we reduce crime is crime really a bad thing you know how do we advance freedom well now it's at the issue of well do we even believe in freedom how do we protect america do we even want to protect america so the difference is on the level of principles of course, most fundamental of which is the issue I'm dealing with. Are we going to protect human life? Because that right, if that right isn't secure, you can't have any of the other rights. And for the church, there's an argument to be made that when it comes to political discrepancies or affiliations per se, Yes, the church is neutral. The church has a religious mission, not a political one. We give witness to the kingdom of God, not a political party. And our platform is not the Democrat or Republican platform. It's the platform of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Fair enough. But what if a political party is directly attacking that gospel, denying the freedom of the church, denying the role of God in public life, attacking human life? You can't be neutral anymore, and I think I think uh, Lou that this is part of what the church is wrestling with, and somewhat reflected, you know, on a small scale, in my particular case that I'm facing right now. The church is wrestling with this: how, when a when a when a political party is so directly attacking the the, the principles of the church, how, do we remain neutral? How do we remain neutral or how do we maintain our own identity while maintaining our our friendships within the party that is going astray?
0: As I said, I'm a Christian, uh, I'm a Protestant, uh, and I am one of those people who want, I want religion in the public square. I want it mightily. Yes. Uh and it's one of the things I cheered. One of the many things I cheered about President Trump is he returned. Yes. People, many people, just do not. I, mean, I know you're aware, but he played an instrumental role in bringing the church back to the public square, much uh-huh. to the discomfort of the left and to the uh, to atheists and to you know the Marxist left which are by definition atheists right. uh, it's, right. and they are the enemy They're. Uh, this is not just a fifth column within the United States that we're talking about. This is the March of Marxism into American society as we never dreamed possible. Not even w- in, 10 years ago, we would have said that it's impossible that this would, this would occur. It's here. Mm-hmm. The threat is now the danger is present. And you know, I, I just yeah. go ahead, please.
1: It, 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 you're, you're, what you're saying here is reminding me of something Marco Rubio said not long ago in a speech. He said, "Look, this is a it's a battle between good and evil, and it's also a battle between common sense and insanity." And, and what what this 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 left is 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 displaying today really is insanity. You know, I make a point in my in my talks that why is it today that we can't say a man is a man or a woman is a woman. Maybe it's because for 50 years, we've been saying a baby's not a baby. When we brought portion on demand into America and pretended that we didn't know if that was a baby, that was the break with reality. That was the break with biology. People say, oh, well, you know, if you're a man, if I, that, that, that's, that's genetics, it's biological truth. Yes, it is. It's just as much biological truth as that the baby in the womb is a baby, right from conception. And it's like, oh, no, if we can pretend that that's not true, then saying that a man is not a man or a woman is not a woman or whatever you are, whatever you choose to be, uh, is the same error as that's a baby only if you choose to accept it. And, and this is, we've got to stop breaking with reality because after a while, um, well, the only solution, uh, Lou, is that you hit up against the brick wall. Uh, I believe in the dead end rule. If you go down a dead end road and you don't look at the, you don't pay attention to the signs that say it's a dead end, you will soon learn by personal experience that it's a dead end. Hopefully you won't fall off a cliff. But if you survive, you turn around, you walk the other way, and then you become the living sign that that's not the right way to go. Now, we're seeing that with abortion. We have the Silent No More campaign where those who have actually done it are coming back saying, hey, that hurt. That was bad. We're going to see this more and more with the transgender. We already see examples of it, of course. But the gay lifestyle, LGBTQ, and all this stuff, it's going to start – it is hurting people really bad. Give it a few more years. Give it a decade or two, and there's going to be a massive, massive pain from hitting up against that brick wall, brick wall of human nature, brick wall of just the truth that is written into our human nature, as the scriptures tell us. So um, that's – uh, I, the, the sooner we we all realize that, the better off we'll be.
0: I think that's a wonderful point, and, and I, I had not considered that. Uh, I the idea that we could deny uh, science uh, in, in describing life, particularly in uh, as it begins in the womb, uh, if we could pretend that that embryo is not a baby, uh, is not uh, with with the first spark of life living. Uh, we can. <laughs> there is nothing we can't uh, wish away, uh, disassociate with, uh, or, or deny. I, I think sure. that's a wonderful point, and I and it just it it, it cuts very close to the bone. So it has to be, uh, I think, absolutely true. Uh, I. I think it's interesting that we wanted to—our our Marxist leaders wanted us to believe in the science uh, when uh, when COVID was uh, raging through the society. Uh, but then they denied the science uh, that showed that what they were doing was ineffective and was right. not what they had promised. Uh, they do so when it comes to the right to life uh, and being uh, anti-abortion in this country— they try to change the language, as they always do. Uh, if mm. you can change the language, you can change the thought. You change the thought, and you change the position. Uh, I, I, I really have enjoyed talking with you. I, I just, uh, you're a fascinating fellow, and I wish you all the very best. Uh, what are your immediate plans?
1: Uh, Well, we are, in terms of my situation, you know, what the Pope does, the Pope can undo, and uh, we're we're asking Pope Francis to just reconsider, uh, uh, reinstating my my priestly uh, faculties. But that aside, our plans now are, we're working, as you said, with the abortion issue in the states now, Priests for Life is, is, is is just mobilizing people in every one of the states. We invite everybody to get involved with our work at endabortion.us. And, and we've, got, we've got great plans for to see in 2023 more pro-life laws than ever, compassionate laws helping both the baby and that mom and dad. Uh, and we just look forward to uh, a lot of great progress in the new year.
0: Father, if I may, we always give our guests the last word. Uh, I'm wondering, in the spirit of the season, we could ask you uh, to share
1: with us uh, your
0: your Christmas message.
1: Yes, Uh, Christmas really is uh, at the heart of our system of government, because in the pagan governments, uh, the law came from the mouth of the king. And the input and they didn't have any appeal uh, against it. Um, Christ came at Christmas, and it's not just the birth of the baby in the manger. It's the birth of the baby in us. We become sons and daughters of God. And if we're sons and daughters of God, our voice matters and because our voice matters, our vote matters, and we have a representative form of government now where the sovereignty, and this is the greatness of America, the sovereignty resides in the people. We were the first ones to say, hey, Forget about sovereignty in the king. It's in the people, and then we will consent to give individuals certain powers in government. This really is rooted in Christmas. This really is rooted in the coming of the child who makes us children of God. So Merry Christmas to everyone, and let's live out that new life that Christ gives us by living out our citizenship more ardently than, uh, than ever before.
0: A wonderful message indeed. Father, we thank you very much for being with us here. Uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you uh, success and victory in all that uh, uh, all the challenges you're facing right now. We appreciate everything you're doing for this great country as well. Thank you, Father Frank Thanks, Pavone. Lou. Thank you. God bless you. Father Frank Pavone, thanks for being with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening in, and I wish you a Merry Christmas. Please follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs. That's at Lou Dobbs on Twitter and Truth Social. Our guest Monday is Senator Marsha Blackburn. We'll be talking about her work to have the U.S. military abandon those mandated vaccinations for our troops. One of the important contributions of a senator who makes a real difference in Washington, D.C. That's Marsha Blackburn. Please join us Monday. Till then. God
1: bless you, and may God bless America. Merry Christmas.